football was a completely different, you know, feeling. And anybody that's played it knows that there's that high stake camaraderie, you know, there's all of these elements of football that, that are amplified, I think, uh, as far as sports go. I dug it. I really just, I loved how, how high the stakes were. I loved the, the camaraderie that was born out of that. And uh, yeah, I was hooked. One, one practice and I was hooked. Welcome to 90% Mental and the In and Out of the Pocket podcast series with all pro quarterback Jake the Snake Plummer and mental performance coach Grant Parr, where the mental game is discussed by the best in the business. From overcoming adversity, celebrating mental wins to actionable mental skill strategies, you will learn how to mentally navigate in and out of the pocket. Today, Jake and Grant sit down with Sammy Grisafi, quarterback of the U.S. Women's National Tackle Football Team, to discuss how to rise above adversity and prepare for the unknown. Sammy shares what motivated her to play football despite it being a male-dominated sport. Listen to her journey of becoming a football player and hear how she copes with her struggles. Ready List Sports is the future of sports playbooks with its digitized integration of multiple learning styles that helps coaches teach better and players learn more efficiently. Engineered by former professional quarterbacks, ReadyList Sports' revolutionary play drawing tool will save coaches countless hours creating plays. ReadyList Sports also provides the players accessibility to study their playbooks using the ReadyList Sports app for iOS and Android. It's like having the playbook in your pocket. The best part of ReadyList are the auto-generated tests the players take after studying that help ensure retention of your plays. Now let's all huddle up and go visit ReadyListSports.com. Welcome back to another episode of the In and Out of the Pocket podcast with Jake and Grant, where the mental game is discussed and discovered. What's up, Jake? How are you? I'm good, Grant. I'm excited to uh, get after it today. We've got an awesome guest, and uh, it's always good to enlighten people on uh, amazing humans out there doing good things. Beautiful. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's interesting, Jake, like we've had incredible guests on our show, whether they um, break in barriers and um, records, uh, touchdowns, whatever. We've brought on a lot of people that have done the first of things. So we have a guest today that's done a lot of first. Um, but she is a three-time world champion quarterback, played for Team USA in the, in the professional circuit. She's also an incredible musician that's earned six Grammy pre-nominations, and she's basically kicked ass her whole life. So with that being said, uh, let's bring on Sammy Grisafi. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having us. Having right. me. You having bet, Jake, man. too. I'm glad that you're having him, too. Exactly, right? Yeah. Three QBs ready to roll. Let's do let's it. Go. Let's do it. Well, let's let's get into it. You know, um, we're really excited to have you on the show just to to learn about your journey uh, and your mindset. But let's let's start with why you played football. So, with all these extraordinary things you've done through your career as a football player and a musician in a male dominating sport, what motivated you to play football and why the position of quarterback? 
Honestly, uh, my best friend lived on my street when I was growing up and he was going to this free technique camp and uh, I didn't want to be bored at home. So that's, <laughs> that's really what motivated me to even try it out. And, um, and then I went and I fell in love with it. I, I had been playing baseball up to that point. I was 10 years old, right? So we're talking really young. And I played some basketball, but football was a completely different, you know, feeling. And anybody that's played it knows that there's that high stake camaraderie, you know, there's all of these elements of football that, that are amplified, I think, uh, as far as sports go. I dug it. I really just, I loved how, how high the stakes were. I loved the, the camaraderie that was born out of that. And uh, yeah, I was hooked. One, one practice and I was hooked. Why quarterback? Well, I was pitching. I was pitching when I was, when I was playing uh, baseball. And I dug that. I, I knew I had a pretty good arm. That's kind of what, that, that was the thing. You know, it's like, oh, you pitch, go play quarterback. So that's kind of what started it out. And then, you know, the mind game behind it all and the, the strategy. And I liked the responsibility that came out of that. So, you know, it just snowballed me loving the position as I continued to play it. But that, those were the first two things that kind of attracted me to it, I guess. I, uh, I have to ask just because I, I like to find out how people, how, you know, individuals were raised, I guess you should say, or where they may have, uh, you know, soaked in or absorbed some of their personalities they now portray or have had be beneficial for them through their lives. So when you were growing up, you know, who, who was it? And was there anybody that was very influential? I'm sure your parents, but did you have siblings that pushed you into sports or were there, who was it that really kind of instilled in you to just be a trailblazer, be yourself, don't be scared because you're talking sports and it was so it was common for a, a few girls to play baseball back in the day in little league when I was growing up, but football, I mean, you had to take some, some shots for being a girl playing football. Where did your mental toughness and like fearlessness, where was it born? Who, who taught you how to be like that? I will say I was supported by my parents to, to follow whatever, you know, whatever was in my heart, whatever I wanted to do, but neither of them were athletes. So my parents were musicians. They kind of thought I was a milkman baby up until, you know, having, getting involved with acting and getting involved with music. So like there, there was really not any influence from them. I, I would say it was just getting to experience growing up on a street with a bunch of boys who really loved it. I was highly influenced by that because that's what we did. And then, you know, I, I, I grew this love for the game just from street ball, you know, um, and yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't easy, but there were such amazing, it was such a great time for sports. You know, I was a big Joe Montana fan when I was a kid and, uh, and then Steve Young, I was a 40, big 49er fan. And just watching that, watching that athleticism and that teamwork, I, what I always liked about Joe Montana is he was like a leader first and a quarterback second. And, um, and I think with that, I just thought, well, well I'm out on the, I'm out in the street playing with the guys and I'm able to hold my own and in some cases beat, beat the other guys. Uh, why wouldn't I be able to take this to the next level? Um, I know that there's not an example of it, but I just felt like if I work hard, I should be able to get there. You know, with, with that being said, I mean, you, you speak of kids and I know kids are so much more open-minded than adults. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you took some challenges from, from some of the boys on your block. Yeah. Were they harder then as a youngster or harder as you got older with, I'm sure, you taking some shots from, you know, insecure men when they see someone like yourself, confident, tough, strong, that can wing the ball around, which was tougher to deal with, that young age or older? I think the young age 
I don't know. It's uh, that's difficult to say because when you're at a younger age, you just think this is your first experience with conflict and your first experience with sports, and maybe you think, no, this is probably what it's like for everybody. So I didn't really have a lay of the land in life yet. I don't think. Um, the older you get, the older I got. I, I think inequalities uh, kind of showcase themselves a little bit more. But ultimately, I think. Yeah, I think I think probably when you get older, it's a, it's a little bit more difficult. Although I will say that I was able to establish myself, and what I love about sports and music, frankly, is if you show up, nobody can really talk shit. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if you show up and you can play and you knock somebody in the mouth, you know, or knock them on their ass or break their finger from throwing the ball, you know, hard and they can't catch it. <laughs> it's just it's action, respect. You know, like if you can do it you get respect. And that's what I've always loved about sports. It's a, it's, you can immediately, you know, show up and, and prove your worth in, in a few moments. And, and I've always loved that. Not only give it, but you got to take it too. So that's being right. able to yeah. take it and bounce back up. You know, that's what I realized being a skinny, scrawny kid that was getting back up. That really set me apart from the other kids. It was, uh, I could, I could dish it out, but when you could take it and get up, that's, that's right. when the real respect happened. That's true. I, I, there are several times where where it was a matter of, you know, getting I remember we were playing in the in the neighborhood one time and I I went face forward to, to tackle this kid and I had this big welt on my eye and uh, couldn't like see out of it. It was all swollen. And I remember going home to my mom and, and her being like, OK, are you done playing football now? And I was like, no, <laughs> like <laughs> I'm not. I, I have to get back out there to prove I'm not a wuss, you know. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> cool. Well, you know, Jake brought up, uh, you know, mental toughness and, and where, where that came about for you, but I can only imagine going back to high school for you, you were the, the first female football player in the state of California. And well, I can only imagine, I think, I don't, I don't know for sure. Okay. I don't really log that kind of thing, but the, but first quarterback, female quarterback in division one. Oh, there you go. I don't want to claim something that's not, you know, there you go. There you go. I'm with you. Well, but when you were when you're playing, I, I can only imagine, like Jake said, like younger people can be a little more outspoken. So how was how was the dynamic within the team accepting you? And from a focus standpoint, when you're playing against other guys, what was it like to to keep your focus? Because I can only imagine they were trying to get in your head and saying things. Yeah. So the guys that I grew up playing with, because I started at a young age, it kind of earned their respect at that point. And I, I mean, I can't tell you how, as an adult, when I look back and I, I look at those, those teammates that I had, just how ahead of, they weren't phased by the social dynamic of it all. They were very supportive. My freshman year, they voted me captain. Um, they were very supportive of me. And in some ways, you know, they would get their back up even more when we'd be playing an opponent and they'd be like, you know, expletive here across the line talking about what they're going to do to me. Um, my center in particular, Jake Thompson, we're still buddies. And he, he just always was, had my back no matter what on the field, off the field. Um, and, and he had some very creative rebuttals and uh, <laughs> physical <laughs> rebuttals. Oh, yeah. So the, the guys were actually the least of, of the social dynamic in my playing. It was really convincing the adults, you know, the father's, uh, of the kids and my coaches. And 
you know, there's one story in particular that I remember early on when I was playing in high school where, you know, the coaches didn't know what to do. It was like very early on. It, I, yes, I was a trailblazer, but so they had to be too in, in, ex- in exemplifying what to do when you have a, a female player. Yeah. And I wanted it to be um, the least amount of an issue for them. I wanted to just, you know, blend in to the team. I didn't ever want them to think that they had to say, all right, guys and Sammy, you know, I remember saying that to him once, like, just say, guys, it's okay. I know that you're referring to all of us. And, uh, and then another time when he, you know, said, Sam, you can do girl push-ups," And I was like, those aren't football push-ups. They're not what the guys are doing. You know, I'm a, I'm a player. I'm not, you don't have to look at me in any other way. Did that answer your question? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's interesting. You put, you put a spin on it that actually you're probably way more comfortable than a lot of the, the, the guys you're playing with. It's almost more uncomfortable for them because you're different only because you're female, but for you, it really was no different. Like, yeah, I can do push-ups. Yeah. I'm one of the guys. That's right. fine. Um, well, I knew I, I guess- wouldn't get their respect if I had done a alternate workout than them. I had to do exactly what everybody did and put in a little bit more work just to, just to prove that I belonged there and that they could trust me on the field. Cause that's ultimately what's a, what it's about. You know, if somebody, if you're out there and, and somebody's not doing the sprints next to you, how are you going to trust them in a game to be able to get the job done? And I, I fully understood that at a young age that you can't talk. You just have to show up and do it and, and, uh, and, and prove, prove your, your place there. How, how was it with like, with your friends that were not ma- ma- male? Uh, how did your, how did your female friends react and, and get along with you as far as you going and playing a sport with, all the boys. You know, I didn't really have a ton of female friends growing up because um, I was into what the guys were into. So, I, I mean, I would say that the, the friends that I, I, I guess I got some female friends when I started doing acting stuff and they just, that's how they knew me. Cause I'd been doing it for however many years at that point, six years at that point. So it was not a surprise to anybody in my community anyway, uh, that, that that's, definitely who I was. I mean, football is still a part of who I am and I'm 36 years old, you know, so it's, uh, it's always been a a big characteristic of mine is the love of football. So uh, take me back a little bit. You played high school football and then after high school and before you played professionally, what, what was the gap there? You said you got into acting, you obviously started, you know, or musician, musician also, but how did you stay in shape? How did you continue to grow and, and uh, get better as a football player when there's not, you know, I guess I'm finding out more now there, there are leagues out there for women. There are a lot of them out there and there's more that are growing as we speak. So, yeah. So I, after sophomore year of, of uh, high school, I realized that I was probably not going to get a scholarship in football. And we had a pretty serious program where, you know, it was a three, it was a one sport, but a three sport season, you know, so pretty, or really four seasons. You're just constantly working on your next season for football. And I knew that it wasn't going to serve me, uh, in my scholarship, uh, situation. So I started playing some volleyball and played a little bit of that. I enjoyed it, but never the same as I, uh, never the way that I felt about football. And then I got into acting and I, I was pretty good at it and won some awards, statewide competitions, and then received a scholarship to Chicago College Performing Arts. And so 
I moved out there for that and uh, went to this conservatory. It was really high intensity, which I dug because it reminded me of football, you know, live, sleep, eat, breathe, theater. And in a lot of ways, I, I find that there's a commonality between performance and football or in sports in general, where you're, there's an audience, you got your team up there uh, and you're telling a story. The difference is, you know, you're not beating somebody in the face, but <laughs> I, I, I felt that that excitement and the adrenaline rush with acting kind of fulfilled me in the way that football did. You know, you and I, when we talked a, a few weeks ago, we were talking about how people know you for certain things. They know you for it because you're, you're a champion, um, broken records. You're the first to do this, all this, all this great stuff. But what most people don't know is really your stats as a yeah. quarterback. So share with our listeners, just, just give them a few numbers. Cause when you were sharing them with me, I was like, holy shit. I'm like, that, that's a massive. It's funny because I was talking to Grant when we were talking a while back and, uh, and I was saying that, you know, that's the thing that's left out of the conversation so, so often with female athletes um, that I wish was more in the forefront. And, and so, but it's something that people don't want to talk about. They want to talk about, you know, the first this, the first that. And I, I'm, I'm interested in what's beyond first, right? So um, for me, the, the biggest year that I had, I, I threw 4,301 yards in 12 games, uh, 57 touchdown yeah. passes. Uh, I think I had a 31.1 passer rating. That was my, my best season when I fully focused on that. I took less gigs out and, uh, and really dedicated myself to, to playing. And um, I'm proud of those stats. I, I, I know that they're not, they probably don't, they won't be immortalized in any log book, but for me, I'm proud of what I had to go through to get to that. Um, and I hope that someday, you know, women's stats and sports are, are celebrated as, as much as the men are. There's some nice numbers there. Uh, Thanks, bud. I can't even come close to that in my career. No, me either. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, I did catch some video and you can sling it. You uh, got a good arm. And obviously, you know, as I've evolved from, you know, having two older brothers growing up to where handball was a sport I played a lot. And I remember love handball. When, Oh, it's a great sport. So one of my first tournaments, I, I was in the seas and I played a, a woman. And uh, my brothers were like, you never lose to a woman. You can't refuse to lose. And so I'm in the court. I was, she kicked my ass. And so I learned at a, at a young age, like, okay, you don't have to be hyper competitive, but like, it's all right to take, take your licks and, and get beat by someone that's better than you. Uh, obviously it motivated me too. And then I had, you know, some friends that were females that love to play basketball with us boys on the weekends or whatever. So I respect and, and I admire what you've done and how you went about it. Cause it takes a ton of courage to step into, you know, a male dominated sport and, and hold your own and put up numbers like that. What do you tell? Thanks. I'm sure that you get a chance to do this. What do you tell little girls that come up to you with big dreams and aspirations? Cause as a, as a young kid myself, that was skinny. I mean, I'm six to 175 pounds. Now I nice. do, I am not a football player body. So nobody believed I could do what I did, but I had certain people that were there to tell me you can do whatever you want. What do you tell these little girls when they may come to you with these big dreams of you know, being an NFL quarterback? What do you tell them? It depends. So I, I had this little girl that came up to me after a game once and she said, 
I want to be on the news like you. I want to play football. Mm-hmm. And I said, if you want to be a football player, that's one thing. If you want to be on the news, that's something else. You know, I fully support you. If you want to be a football player, you go and you work hard and you learn the game. And that is, should be your main motivator. I think there's a lot of, because there is so much publicity around the firsts and, you know, and all of that, which is wonderful and visibility is very important. I also hope that we don't lose track of why you're there. And um, it's very important to me, maybe I'm a purist in this way, but it's very important to me that if you're there to be the best football player that you can be, that you're putting in the efforts for that and not for the notoriety in the novelty of it. Um, so oftentimes if there's a little girl that, that comes up to me and, and she says, I want to be a great football player. I tell her she's got to work hard and it, it's not easy, but that she'll discover really cool things about herself. If she, if she can withhold, you know, if she can withstand it, which might be a little intense for some kids, but yeah. <laughs> I feel I it out. That's... I feel it out. <laughs> yes, of course. It's a great message. I know as you do too, Jen Welter, who is, yeah. uh, just a, a complete badass in all, all shapes and size, everything she's done. And so I think it's really cool to, uh, to now meet you and, and go, wow, okay. Uh, me being a, a man myself who played in football for a long time, I'm getting a, gaining a new respect for the, the women's game, which you guys still get your ass kicked. You still come out with bruises and blood and all that and wins and losses. But it's, uh, it's the ability to do it for the love that's in your heart. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, I played the games. I loved it. Then they wanted to pay me a bunch of money, and I didn't turn that down. Yeah, but I sure. still played it because I love it. When I, when, right. I, when I lost that love is when I retired. And yeah. so you guys do it for a deep-seated love of, like, the sport. And that's, that's very admirable. I applaud that. Well, thank you. I, I thought my career would be over when I was a sophomore in high school. You know, I, I even – I grabbed a, a – I got homecoming queen my senior year. It was the next, it was the last time I was on the football field. So I grabbed up a, a handful of turf. I still have it with me. Cause I thought that that would be the last time I'd ever stand on a football field. Mm-hmm. And, awesome. and then I got nine more seasons, you know what I mean? So yes. Is it a bummer that uh, I didn't have, you know, insurance paid for, or, you know, spent a lot of money on, on rehabilitating my knee and, and all, all sorts of things like that, because I didn't have the support system of like what the NFL would have. And I didn't get a bank bank account and all of that. That's fine. But like, I got nine more seasons, you know what I mean? So that, that to me, you know, where we, where we are currently, that's, that's a bigger gift than I ever thought that I would have. I didn't think I'd have 15 years playing my favorite game. So I'm great. Amazing. Wow. Well, and I want to bring up the number 15 because as football players, there's something that goes into a number that you wear. There's that identity, right? And Jake can, you know, talk about his number and mine changed a little bit. Um, you know, as a little kid, because I love Jim Kelly, I wanted to be number 12 all the time. Yeah. And when I couldn't get number 12, then I was number nine and then it just stuck with me. So I was nine for the majority of my career, but what's, what's, what's the whole idea, you know, with 15? Well, when I was a kid, I wanted to be 16. I wanted to be Joe Montana. Um, but then there, there was another kid that was on the team. He was actually starting quarterback and he got dibs and then he broke his hand. So I ended up starting the rest of the season, but my coach at the time, uh, Pete Ruggles, he gave me number 12 and he was like, I know you want 16, but there, there are so many great quarterbacks that wore this number. 
that's when I started doing, you know, research and, you know, Jim Kelly and uh, Joe Namath and, you know, like all of these incredible quarterbacks at 12. And I was like, yeah. And then, <laughs> and then I started playing ball as an adult when I started with the Chicago force and they didn't have 12 because that's a, a common thing with women's sports. You got what you got and, you know, you work with it. And they gave me 15 and I was like, I have no connection to this number at all. And then as the years went on, I'm like, you know what, this is kind of great. Cause at the time, I think Tebow was the only one that had 15 and he was in and out of the league. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to make 15 my own. I'm going to create my own legacy for this number. That'll be fun. And that's, that's kind of, I've embraced that ever since. So I love 15. And now of that's course awesome. we have Mahomes that wears 15. So exactly. I had it before you though, kid. The question I have for Mahomes in is, is did he wear that? Is he wear that and have motivation from you? He should. Yeah. I'm sure that that's, I'm sure that that's what's happening. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I love to be a mentor to that guy. You know, what a, what a, what a good kid. There's a lot happening, as you say, with, with, with women's sports, uh, women equality. I mean, we're, I looked on there, saw some, you know, some stuff you did with rethinking masculinity. Mm-hmm. We struggle as a society to be enlightened. You seem like a very enlightened soul that lives the life that you want to live. And regardless of how I feel or Grant feels or the person you pass by on the street, they may judge you or label you. Um, you know, rethinking that dominator society is kind of, uh, it's, it's hard, but it's also enlightening. And I'm, I'm married with three kids. I see my wife every day, what she does, what she did to create our children. And I'm like, wow, okay. We are inferior to the women, to the feminine Mm -hmm. side. I'm embracing it myself. With that being said, where does, there's a lot happening. The NFL initiative with the, with flag football, with girls Mm -hmm. flag now being sanctioned in six States. What do you see for your future in the game? Cause obviously you have a place in it somewhere, somehow. Do you, where do you see the game going? Will we see a WNFL someday in the future? I, I would love that. I think that would be great. I think that, you know, first of all, when, you know, I don't, I don't know that it's about superiority between masculine and feminine. What, one of, what I talk about in, in the um, rethinking masculinity thing is, is the beauty of masculinity. It's definitely shaped who I am and the processes behind it. Uh, and I think that it's really just about embracing the duality within us, right? So, yeah. Um, I do think that there's enough interest after the years I've played with women that for there to be a WNFL or, you know, something like that. Um, there are several leagues that are trying to make that happen. It's really about funding. Um, you know, basketball is an, has an interesting story, how it was created because guys, they, they felt it was a necessity for young men to have a way to expound their energy in the wintertime in Massachusetts. So they created this game that was played inside so that guys could be guys and it was fully invested. And then basketball courts were invested all over the country and the game became the game we know now. And I think that that's how we have to start looking at women's sports is that what was so easily funded for young men, this is a necessity for anybody, any human being to be a part of something, to exert physical energy, to, to learn life lessons through the, you know, the filter of a game. Um, I think it's a necessity for, for any human being to, to, to have that opportunity. And we need to start funding it the way that we have for men all these years. Um, and so in that sense, I do think that 
there will be a women's a women's uh, game, hopefully. We just need to invest in it, both with time and money and interest. Well, Will you have a role in that? Do you think you'll want to be a head coach or a GM someday? You know, I've always loved, I've always respected football coaches and I've had really fantastic ones my entire life. Uh, John Konecki was uh, probably the most influential coach that I had. And he's always thinking about how to, how to new elements of the game. And, and, you know, we were running perimeter screens and our RPOs, three years before the NFL were, were doing it. You know, he was watching NCAA, uh, you know, play and brought all of those ideas, you know, with Texas, Texas Tech and Oregon and all of the things when they were starting it out. I love that part of the game. I don't think that I could be a head coach though, because you have to, if you want, if I were going to do it, I would want to be incredible at it. And I would have to dedicate my whole life to that. And I am so in love with music and performing um, that I don't want to let that go. And I would have to, cool. to be a proper, a proper coach. Well, before we get into um, your documentary, your, your new movie, Open Field, which you're wearing the hat right there. Boom. Um, boom. Now, I tested it out. Taking it I, for a test drive. I love it. I saw it. <laughs> Jake and I talk about this a lot about the certain thing as a quarterback. I mean, obviously, you, you know, you can, you can drop, you can roll out, play action pass. There's all these things you can do. So for me, I play action pass, man. I love that. And rolling out and get on the outside to me, that's the shit. Like I feel I'm free. I can be me. I can be an artist. So out of all the things you can do as a quarterback, what do you love doing the most? Like the best? I love throwing, but <laughs> one of my favorite things that I used to love to do, they used to call me the magician sometimes because I'd love to naked boot, uh, and there's something so incredible about a naked boot. And, and it, it feels a little like life where you kind of have to trust all of your preparation up to that point and fully commit to something, not knowing if it's going to happen, you know, not knowing if you're going to get away with it. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how life feels a lot, right? It's like you prepare <laughs> as much as you can and you fully commit in the moment that you, the one moment that you have. And if you succeed, it's incredible. And you're standing alone in the end zone and everybody's, you know, looking somewhere else. Um, but sometimes you get knocked on your ass and that's yeah. not great either, but you can't control that. Like you, all you can do is your best effort to hide the ball and fake like you don't got it and also move forward. <laughs> so <laughs> it, part of it's faking it and part of it's, you know, preparation, but I think I, I think the naked boot has always been one of my favorite things to be able to do as a quarterback. Very nice. Very nice. I like that also. It was one of my fortes, my specialties was any boot, naked or clothed. It didn't All matter. Right. Um, <laughs> what's your favorite throw? You say you love to throw. What's your favorite route to throw? Sluggo. Uh, sluggo? I love ah, a sluggo right. route. Yeah, I love a sluggo or even a flag. It's just so hard to defend. And you can really um, – I just love that, you know, well, flag route, you get more of a three ball. I like that a sluggo is more of a two on the back, you know, on the outside. I just, I, yeah. I love that. I love watching the, the defenders kind of break their ankles in that. Yeah. <laughs> nice. My favorite throw was a skinny post. To That's me, it was because you had to look the safety off to create a small window. And in the league, I mean, those windows were tiny, but then like to be able to hit a quick five, hit your back leg and let it go try to hit it right on. I mean, it, it became something I could do 
That was my favorite throw to make when coach would call it. I'd hate when cover two showed up like, damn, uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Well, then, um, and to that point, that's what I love about, you know, like a, a slam, a slam combination where you have, you know, the, the, um, the hitch and the flag route and they have to against cover two. I just love that cover two yeah. beater. It's yeah. I love it. That's nice. Well, I, I, I love why I, why pop or a why seam, man? Oh, you I, like I, it in the middle, huh? Oh man, ah. I love throwing at tight ends, man. Like people like nowadays, like they're not. I mean, depends what scheme you're in. They're, yeah, you know, like a Kelsey, you know. But I don't know. I just love throwing at tight ends. So before we get into out of the pocket questions, which I can't wait, um, just share with, share with our listeners a little bit about your your new movie coming out, Open Field. Yeah, so uh, we've been working on it for six years. The director, Kathy Curris, uh, is a friend of mine and had been, you know, watching my football career. And she's like, I feel like there, uh, there needs to be a film on this. And she directed it. And we worked with this guy named John Alexander, who is an incredible editor. And basically, it's my life that is just the prism that tells you the whole, the whole history and current iteration of women involved with tackle football. And we have, you know, it, it dates all the way back to the 1920s, uh, which I wasn't alive for, but uh, we talk about that kind of the, the first iterations. And then, um, you know, talk about my high school experience back in, you know, 1999, 2000, we have interviews with my coaches from that time, uh, which was a trip to go back and, and kind of revisit things that, you know, I thought they went one way and to hear their perspective on it and, uh, it's kind of a, a crux of the of the film, um, and then moving to Chicago and, and finding out about the WFA, the Women's Football Alliance, and all of the teams and all of the women who have played um, takes us through Team USA, the first team, which was in 2010. Jen Walter was on that team, and um, and then now women in the NFL. With you know, we have interviews with Katie Sowers from a few years ago, and the 49ers. George Kittle's in it, um, Coach Shanahan. So it has this full scope of, you know, why women in sports uh, or why women in football. Um, but really it's just peeking behind the curtain. So you can see it's not all that different. I mean, the crazy part about it all was you could read the transcript and not know if it was a 42 year old mother of three uh, or, you know, a veteran player like Franco Harris uh you know, who's a hall of famer, you, it didn't, it wouldn't matter because the game is so consistent. And, um, and we really tried to showcase that with the film is it's really <laughs> when we were pitching out to, to some of the, some of the people out here in LA, they're like, yeah, but where's the love story. And <laughs> my whole thing is like, that's how women's sports is always depicted in film. It's, you know, there's this love story. That's really the, the main show of it all. And then there's the sports is like, ancillary. And we didn't want that. We wanted to showcase women, uh, the, the athletes as athletes, the way that men are in, in film and, um, not pink it and shrink it, you know? So, uh, that's really, that's really what we, what was the, the, um, North star of the, of the film is just to show the athleticism and the love of the game. And that's what I end up saying to, to those people is like, there is a love story. The love story is the athlete in the game and yeah. you're just missing it. Totally. So, so how do we watch it and have the, the listeners and, and viewers here get their uh, eyeballs on open field? Yeah. So you can go to openfieldmovie.com 
Right now, we've submitted to several festivals uh, for this year. Last year, we had the world premiere at the Austin Film Fest Festival. Uh, we also showed at Tallgrass Film Festival. So we have a, a few in, in line for this, for this year, and the website will be regularly updated. Um, it's kind of ad hoc at the time while we're doing the festival route because you know, you're only allowed to show it when you're at those festivals. So uh, until we get it sold, it won't be readily available. So hopefully that's sooner rather than later. But yeah, you cool. can keep up to date on openfieldmovie.com. Well, the pocket just collapsed and I got to roll out. <laughs> so I'm going to roll to my right because it's, you know, I was a little uh, less comfortable going to my right. I liked rolling to my left the best. Yeah. But I want to ask you, you've got a lot going on. I mean, your music, we didn't even touch on. You're a very talented musician. Thank you. Your uh, national anthem before the IFAF game was badass. Thank I mean, you. Better than most at the Super Bowl, I would say, because <laughs> you sang with a lot of heart and passion and then dropped the ukulele and put your helmet on. That was badass. So you've done a lot. You're doing a lot. You're going to have more to do, I'm sure, like on your plate, goals and ambitions. But when you get a free evening, just like, ah, I got nothing going on. What do you like to do? Like watch a movie or a documentary, read a book, maybe cook some food, play music, hang with friends. What's your idea? Like, I got free time. I'm going to do this. Uh, I would say my go-to free time thing is, is spending it with friends or my girlfriend, family. I love, I love being with my people. It's my favorite thing. Cool. So it doesn't even matter what it is. You know, maybe we're playing Scrabble or something or uh, <laughs> I don't know, just shooting the shit. I, I just love being with my people. Well, I got a, I have, I have a couple speed questions here. Oh, okay. yeah. Me. I've yeah. never been known for my speed, so. <laughs> me, me either. <laughs> Godspeed to us. All right. So, barbecue or sushi? Barbecue. Pavarotti or Robert Plant? Robert Plant. I think I know this one. Joe Montana or Tom Brady? Joe Montana. Yeah. Justin Bieber or Justin Timberlake? Justin Timberlake. <laughs> All right. Just because I grew up, he's, he's, my, he's my era. Totally. I'm not a believer. I mean, like he's cool and all, but now it's not my generation. I love it. So this may not be too out of the pocket, but I want to know as far as preparing for a game, stepping into the huddle or onto the stage, which one is more nerve wracking or, you know, which one brings more uh, of the senses out of you? Can you repeat them real quick for me, please? Well, just just what what's more nervous, nerve wracking, stepping onto the into the huddle oh, or onto or the stage on the before stage. for a concert for a performance? I guess it would depend on the performance and the game, but I think I guess maybe the uh, maybe the stage uh, if it's a you know if it's a big a big show is that well no. I think the game, I think, I think stepping out of the huddle because there's more people who are relying on you, you know? So it's like, you're very, you have a lot on your shoulders for a lot of people's happiness and a yeah. lot of people's efforts that they put in. When I'm on the stage, it's like, if I, if I fuck up, it's me that, that has to get the brunt of it. But if you mess up on a football field, there's a, 10 other people at least who are not too happy with you. So one more last one here, or a couple maybe, just depending. <laughs> uh, what I want answer two questions. 
first is how do most men react when you tell them you play quarterback and have you ever been challenged to a throw off? Several times I've been challenged to a throw off. <laughs> yeah. Can we talk about this asinine idea of a throw off? First of all, a throw off is like the throwing is like the least challenging thing about being a quarterback. Yes. Like what is it about some drunk guy at a bar that's like, oh, let's go out in the parking lot. I want to show you, like, you're a quarterback. Oh, yeah, right? Okay, whatever. I'm like, can you, Nate, do you even know what a backside five is? You don't know what a backside five is? We're not going out to the fucking parking lot. I, like, because you're so dumb. Like, it's the, it. least, it's the least important thing. But I have won several. One of them was on uh, television. I did this fuse tv thing and the guy was like well what ball are we going to use the girl the women's ball or the nfl ball and i'm like well how about i use the women's ball because that's what we play with he's like that doesn't seem fair i'm like great we'll use the nfl ball we'll use the nfl ball and we did and i i beat him i think by like three yards in the throw off and in the accuracy type thing he really messed up mechanics uh, I just don't know what that is. I don't know what it is about yeah, not you. the throw off. It's so silly. It's, it's like, not distance, you know. Make people think throwing for distance. Ah, my arm's stronger. Eh, that's wrong. Like right. you exactly. said, it's kind of asinine. You have to like have almost like QB challenge set up with golf carts moving and yeah. different targets yes. and someone chasing you, and then you can really see if you can throw. Yeah, you want to talk about angles with a six foot three, you know, defensive end coming at you? Can you throw yeah. that? You know, like. <laughs> What can you read a cover to? Do you know what happens there? Like, no, you probably don't. And you can't do it in three seconds for damn sure. So I, buy me a beer for aggravating me. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Uh, I love it. Well, my last question here, um, I always go with the spirit animal, but I, I'm going to hold off on that one. But, <laughs> and I know Jake has maybe a, a person or persons throughout his career. I know I, I did. That one person on defense that kind of kind of took over your thoughts a little bit. You thought a little bit about them because if they did get you, you you'd be in, in a world of hurt. So was there any other defensive athlete that kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say put fear in you, but thought twice about? There there were a couple, there were a couple that I knew would be an issue. I had one that was in the box, right? Which was Jessica Springer. She used this incredible player. I mean, she could have played college with, with guys. And I mean, she ran an incredible 40, but was built like a brick shit house. And, uh, and just, if, if she got me from the backside, it wasn't going to feel good. So I, I mean, she was definitely one of those players. And then from a secondary standpoint, Rusty Sowers, ironically, both of them are very good friends of mine. Now we played on the first team USA together, but I hated them when we would have to play against them. Uh, Rusty was another all around amazing athlete in a different way, uh, just speed and incredible athleticism. Um, but she always was, you know, would snag my, snag my balls out of the air. <laughs> I didn't like throwing against her and I didn't like doing anything against Jessica because I, yeah, she was dangerous. Right on. What about you, Jake? Who, who was the who was the person that like you just wish you know you, you hope that they didn't get their hands on you? Oh man, there was quite a few, but playing against <laughs> Ray Lewis was was pretty scary oh. just because uh, he was so fast. His burst from like 
five yards away was just, he was on you. Um, Junior Seau was another one that just, because he was allowed to play free. He wasn't in that structure of you're a middle linebacker, stay here. Sometimes he'd go way over on the left and you'd be like, okay, there he is. And then you'd look back to check over here and then he'd be back on this side. And you're like, you guys, you guys, hopefully they saw that, you know, cause he yeah. was just a wild card. He'd go crazy. And so, but still, like you said, I didn't, I didn't necessarily hate him, but playing against him was tough, but there was so much respect there. Him yeah. and, and Ray Lewis, both were both amazing. My favorite to play against was Deion Sanders though, because we would game plan to go away from him. And then first time I'd have a chance, I'd throw right at him. Coaches would be pissed, but I'm like, Hey, I'm in the NFL. This is my chance to see if I'm as good as I can be against one of the best, if not the best cover corners to ever play the game. And uh, I got him a few times and he got me more than a few times. (laughs) (laughs) But I earned his respect that way. When he sees me at things, it's like, hey, Snake, what's up? And we, there's a mutual respect there because I didn't do what every other quarterback did was not give him a chance to be Dion prime time. I gave him yeah. plenty of chances. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was like, thanks for making me look good on, on occasions. And you're yeah. like, thanks, thanks for let, making me look good on occasions. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> That's, That's great. Awesome. I love that. Hollywood. I love it. Well, Sammy, this was, uh, this was awesome. Um, obviously I know that Jake and I could talk to you for another hour about this, but, uh, we appreciate you sharing your story and what you've done for the game of football. Um, we're just honored to have you on the show. I'm honored to be here. Was, this was a lot of fun. I don't get to talk football much anymore. Now it's, you know, set lists and, and things like that, which I enjoy. Uh, but this has been a lot of fun. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Both of you. Awesome, Sammy. Thank you. Keep being an inspiration to uh, all people, and especially little girls that dream big. I think it's awesome what you're doing. Keep it up. I, 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 Captain. Thank you. Yeah, I love it. All right. All right. Take care, guys. See you.